Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today. We're here today. We're here today. <laughs> We're going to put the... I don't know. Oh, no. Ah, we're going to put the she in occasion. Oh, good one. <laughs> Thank I you. I thought you were saying acacia because oh, that's... A tree. A tree. And... Um, but as I say it, I'm realizing you probably don't interact with the word acacia nearly as often as I do. No, actually, um, the only reason I know that word is because it was in the name of a really horrible metal band I used to listen oh, okay. to. So okay, we're just going to change the topic. My name is Summer <laughs> Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And I actually have been waiting to ask you this question. Oh, all week. Okay. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Oh, I'm excited too. Okay. So I'm I had joy. This... I'm here with my beautiful co-host Summer. She has thoughts and I'm going to get them, extract <laughs> them from her brain right now. So I had this thought that whether consciously or subconsciously, all of us have decided. We've all made this decision. Uh, whether you, again, I bet some people have made it intentionally and some people have not, but all of us ladies have determined that there is a moral and immoral amount of time to spend getting ready every day. Okay. So I think, mo- cause right. Uh, if if you woke up every day and you believed you had to spend the first three hours of your day with a glam team doing your hair and your makeup and styling you, that is just like off the table, right? For the vast, 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 right. vast, vast majority of right. us, we would not we would not think it was right to spend the time or the money. You would say, right. that's a bad, immoral use of my time. Mm-hmm. That's a bad, immoral use of my money. However, there is some amount of time. Right. And effort. And maybe like per um, engagement. Like if you have like a really big, I mean, it gets, so I had this weird thought that was like, if your job is to be you, like if you're a celebrity and so you have a lot of money and all your time is pretty much spent being you. On camera or something. Right. You, then, you treat it differently. Right. Like you... Like there was, I saw some girl that was going to the grant. She was like, come along with me for my day before the Grammys uh, <laughs> spa treatments. Right. And she was getting like 16 different facials. And I was like, how do you even right. know if that's helping or not? <laughs> like that's so much. Right. That's so much stuff and light and vibrations right. and all this stuff. But I was like, I guess she's, this. T- it's like a big day. It's a big right. day for her. These pictures so of her, she needs her are going to be, to be like sharp. ultra. <laughs> She needs magnets on well, her cheekbones. <laughs> and, you know, the way we think about it is so influenced by our culture. But I remember when 
a couple months ago, we were reading Esther and the Bible reading challenge. Mm -hmm. And it really struck out. It stuck out to me that these women that were picked to essentially be like concubines to the king, they were picked and then they were delivered to the king a year later because they did six months of this kind of beauty treatment and then six months of this kind of beauty treatment. Oh man, you know what I just realized is there's probably somebody out there that's like 10 Bible beauty hacks. <laughs> oh no. It was moody. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I rarely see you surprise yourself, but you're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so, are you asking so, me what my immoral amount of time? I, no, I'm just. I was thinking. I do think, especially for me personally. Um, you know, I kind of used. I kind of have this weird admiration for people that like can spend more time, mm. like people that have like morning and night routines where they like wash their face all the time and. Um. <laughs> Everybody washes their face before bed. Everybody. Um, not everyone. <laughs> um, everyone. Not everyone does that. <laughs> washes their face before bed. Ew! Are you serious? I wouldn't even have a face anymore. I'm pretty sure if I didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Like where it would just be, it would be 80 years old. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I do, I'm not saying I don't wash my face. <laughs> I'm saying that once a day I wash my face. Oh. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> The maybe is concerning. Now, me. usually, if I like, if I wear makeup of any kind, I wash my face. Yeah, but I haven't really been wearing makeup a lot. Not because, not because of anything other than that, I have this last. I don't know. Recently in my life, I have had severe reactions to any kind of makeup yeah, I put on my face. You're not the first person to say that. And to it's me. not always my. It's not necessarily my skin. It's my eyes. Mm. Like. I'm talking, I'll put on face makeup, yeah. keep it away from my eyes, no mascara, no nothing on my eyes. Okay. And it still is Bothers. bothering my eyes because it's like close enough to get towards getting in there. Man. And it's nice because my husband prefers me to not wear makeup and like not that he cares if I, if we're like going to a wedding and I sure. dress up a little bit, but. So it all works out. But I don't know. There's a part of me that kind of has some. I've always like admired people that are like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to wash my face. And I'm going to do this. And then like yeah. tonight when I go to bed, yeah. I need to wash my face because I need to get all that old product off or For even sure. if it's just moisturizer or sunscreen or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, I absolutely, I cannot, I will, when I wake up and before I go to bed, it's getting washed. I'm trying to get better about it. It's, I've been doing a lot. I've been doing a lot better recently. Like but, last night I had a migraine. I felt like I was going to throw up and yeah. I was like get up and wash your face summer and i did <laughs> like i just i absolutely cannot is this a girl wash your face <laughs> <laughs> this is as close as we come to that this is the very closest <laughs> but yeah no i was just thinking that we've all whether you've thought about it or not you are willing to spend a certain amount of time getting ready for the day right and you are unwilling to spend a certain amount of time 
and money and effort right getting ready for the day yeah. and we each have kind of determined there's a rightness and a wrongness like whether you realize it or not and so for me and i also think i also think having really hard and fast rules on this for other people is just none of your business and not appropriate right so much of this is so cultural i know very godly women who are not in the practice of wearing makeup you just yeah. mentioned that's not your really your practice yeah. i know very godly women who would never leave the house without some kind of mascara or lipstick yeah that's more common in the south yeah and I'm talking like, well, and yeah, I, I mean, like we've all known women who can't leave the house because they're vain. But we also I know plenty right. of women that are just like, this is just how I get ready. Right. This is a part of what part of it is I just cultural to, appear, to appear like appropriate. Well, and you I know? think we've lost a category. I know I've talked about this before. We talked about this not long ago, but there's a category for um how you dress yourself being a representation of of respect for others. Right. And so I do think there are women who they get ready, they get prepared, they get more kind of put together for the day, mm -hmm. not out of some sort of like extreme vanity, but just like I am, I'm out of the house. So I'm going to present myself a certain way to others. Um, you know, women that I, I have no problem with women that wouldn't go to the grocery store a certain way. I don't right. think that necessitates a vanity or of right. ungodly vain way of looking at themselves. Like I said, I think a lot of it is traditional cultural. Um, most of the women I know that would never go out uh, without being some sort of put together are from the South or older or older. Mm -hmm. And I think there's tradition there that we could, I think we could do to recover some of. Yeah. I do think it would, some I, of. like I said, I actually have, instead of like a resentment for women that have the routine, I have more of an admiration because I'm not, I'm not that person. And you know okay, what? Yeah. I've had seasons where I've been sure. more, um, you know, just like ready when yeah. I leave the house. Um, but there's definitely, like you're saying, there's a difference between um, me having a very simple pre preparation for leaving the house and me wearing my underwear when I leave the house. Right. Because I'm just like, well, I'm, I was just wearing them already. And right. it's so annoying I'm for me to so get dressed. I'm so not vain that I would never <laughs> even consider getting out of my dirty pajamas before someone <clears throat> saw me. Because I don't care what anyone <laughs> thinks of me except the Lord or something, right. you know, silly like yeah. that. But yeah, I just. <sighs> I don't think you should make people uncomfortable. And I don't think you should be just like mm -hmm. slovenly. Yeah. Well, and this kind of goes back to like, what are your church clothes? Do you even have a category of church clothes? Right. Now, I, I do think I do try to like, I try to, uh, again, not, haven't found any makeup that is working for me crazy, at yeah. this moment. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I try to dress nicer. I try to yeah. like when I dress Georgia, I don't let her wear print. She wears a dress to church, but I yeah. don't put her in a princess dress. I try to keep her from being distracting. Yeah, like, sure. By playing. I don't know. All of this, I'm not even, I'm not saying. I don't care. The point, the point is. Joy said I can't let my daughter wear jeans to church. That's not what I'm saying. Right. At all. Well, I just think it's funny. You know, it's the pendulum swing of culture. So for so long, right, you think back to a certain era where um, you were expected to dress a certain way at church. And then we decided 
And it's usually like your parents' generation versus yours versus your parents versus yours. I think kind of in a rebellion towards, you know, our parents' generation, we were like, you know, they dress so nice at church, but they're actually all jerks. So I'm going to be my authentic self and I'm never right. ever going to dress up because the Lord does not require me to wear a skirt or, you know, just. Well, in the narrative that anyone who would suggest that you should, there is an appropriateness in your dress, especially mm-hmm. for church, for reverent special events that are happening right throughout the week. The idea that they're just like stuffy, uh, right. legalist. Right. Uh, rude. Now, I think if you, if you, if someone walks in wearing a skirt and converse into your church and you're like, they're, they can't be a believer. I'm not giving you a free pass because I think that's snobbery. (laughs) You're the problem. (laughs) That was your problem. Not the converse. But I do think, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know, maybe a part of it is just becoming like, growing older and becoming mm-hmm. more mature and just yeah. having <sighs> that. I well, do, it is I a do... problem. It is a problem to dress up your outer self and not your inner self for right. church. So you can, but you can recognize that very real problem. Sorry about my phone. You can, vec- you can recognize that very real problem without just saying, well, the answer is to throw the clothes out entirely. Right. That's actually not right. the answer. That's a reaction. That's kind of what we were talking about a little bit in the behavior modification yeah. episode, which mm-hmm. is like, I, <laughs> I'm a snob um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to change my style of dress and not my heart. Right. Like, right. like snob snobbery does not get right. fixed by like uh, being participating a in, <laughs> in less snobby activities. Right. right. I'm going to prove how how really spiritual I am by only wearing the worst clothes I can find <laughs> is not maturity or wisdom. No. And I would just, my only encouragement, I have no opinion on your clothes, dear listener, because I haven't seen them. But my point is, is I just, I do think we need to be, we need to recover a sense of dressing for the occasion and also dressing in such a way that we are legitimately attempting to be feminine. Oh, yeah. Like, if that's never a thought that crosses your mind... If you've never asked yourself, is this feminine? I think that's a question that you should start asking. And when you deter, when you're, you, you have to know what femininity is in order to answer that question in the first place very well. And that's not something I'm trying to do in this episode, but um, you should care that you present yourself as a woman. And that should be a thought that you have in your head. And if it's never that, there's something right there's a problem there there's no holiness found in a 10 minute morning routine just purely because you think that not taking yourself taking care of yourself is some sort of like monastic spiritual (laughs) place plain to be right Anyway, all that to say everyone will know what a depraved sinner I am by how utterly (laughs) depraved my face looks Make sure not to practice your unrighteousness before others either. Anyway, um, 
I don't have a my how, how much time I spend getting ready totally has to fit the occasion. Like it has to be has to fit with what I have going on for the day. Yeah. And that's really my my baseline. Um, I generally am unwilling generally I'm unwilling to spend more than 30 minutes on like yeah, our phones. We're so popular. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm generally unwilling to spend more than thirty minutes on hair, makeup, clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I won't for right. certain occasions, but thirty minutes, like I kind of feel like that's for me. I, I you can I, get a lot done in thirty minutes. You can. You really can. You can get a lot done. Um, I'm also usually listening to a podcast, drinking coffee, right. and answering eight thousand questions. Yeah. So, am I really spending thirty minutes? <laughs> right. Like, no. Right. But you know, sitting there thirty minutes is kind uh-huh. of my. If I start spending more time than that, I'm like, you need to quit. This is not. Yeah. Just get up and go. Yeah. Because that's. I think that's also too. I think there is a season where, and I think this is a little bit of the season that I'm in, and to some extent most moms are which is what you just described which is that your whole morning is your getting ready routine and that's like (laughs) the three hour for me it's like the two to three hours from the time I wake up to the time I leave to go to the studio (laughs) there's teeth brushing there's cooking there's dishes there's your face there's clothes so sometimes it can I do think now I do think structure can help you get a handle Mm -hmm. just like a budget Mm-hmm. informs where your money is going mm-hmm. i think being aware of your schedule yeah. informs where your time is going yeah so i think if you're like struggling right. you can tighten up your routine a little bit and discover mm-hmm. you have more time mm-hmm. um but sometimes it it doesn't feel like you there are gonna be times when mm-hmm. you're um you're like, and then I went into the bathroom for three minutes and brushed my teeth and like did something else. Yeah. And then I had to go do another thing. And then, yes. I, you know. Oh, yeah. And that's just. Oh, yeah. I had someone <laughs> I had someone ask just like, you know, how do you bring order to your home when you're halfway through 8000 tasks? And I was just like, that's how that is bringing order to your home. Like, right. I don't remember the last time I wasn't halfway through 8000 right. things. Well, and what. What a very, um, (laughs) what a very tender kindness it was that God would make women so well equipped at multitasking and keeping track of a bunch of things at one time. Well, and that's something I am constantly aware of is like, there's never a time when I am not juggling six different people's needs. Right. And the needs don't pop up in an orderly fashion that I can. You don't prophesy. have like a ticket system. No ticket system here. Um, and Ring I'm, the bell, I'm homeschooling. Take a number. I'm homeschooling at such different stages and different yeah. people that it's just like, yeah, I am always halfway through, and I'm I'm not just halfway through the things I have to do. I'm also with my children halfway through the right. things that they have to do. Right. That is just something that is is always. Yeah. It just is always, and so, yeah, I don't have. I am not gonna take more than thirty minutes. Generally, not more than fifteen, but yeah, definitely not more than thirty. And that's not a rule I'm placing on anybody else. But that's just kind of you guys I just realized. Yeah. I just realized I was like, man, that is something I unconsciously 
because of my life have come to believe because of just how that how that fits into my day right that that is my that's my line if i've spent a half an hour i'm like oof you you haven't you've been going it. fast enough you've done enough yeah <laughs> i don't even know what i could do for half an hour like i said i think i'm sp- i'm spending most of that time helping other people <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you but regardless sometimes i want to do more of like a routine but it just takes like ugh, blow drying my hair oh no never <laughs> nope Mm-mm. blow drying my hair takes I can't even. an afternoon yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to explain it yeah. other than that it takes me several it takes a long time for me yeah oh so, yeah I, can't. I just like sometimes it's like okay my hair's gonna be a little bit damp if I go to this place and it's gonna be okay I've literally never blow dried my hair I have probably done it like less than 20 times <laughs> because of what I just described to you. Well, you know, my hair, if you blow dry it, is an afro. Right, right. My to hair, be honest. My hair is just a sponge that holds yeah. all water. It holds water and yeah. it hides it yeah. and conserves it for later. It's like a yeah. camel's hump. Mine, it turns into an afro that's not, it's not the one you want, though. There's right. like an afro right. that you want. Though the, I don't have that. the afro that you want requires moisture, a yeah, lot of moisture. And I don't have that's not my hair. So we're never doing that. Anyway, um, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 uh, if you like what you hear you should support us at patreon.com slash sheologians keep the show on the air. Something really exciting happened to me. It's never happened to me before. I'm pretty sure Maybe it has. Um, but someone made the uh, the Instant Pot beef I've been trying to get you to make. And they oh. made it. And they loved it. And they posted a picture. And they said they're going to put it in their rotation. And Nice. Um, I'm just super excited about that. That's cool. It's so good. You're like practically a food blogger. I am, a f- am I a food blogger now? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh man, now I have to start writing really long recipe stories <laughs> before you get to the recipe. Webster's Dictionary defines beef as <laughs> one day in the fall of 2001, I was sitting at home. Oh, it's so bad. And my grandmother walked in the door. My grandmother was a kind and gentle woman. <laughs> gentlemen. I can't. Um, I just can't. Anyway. So today we had this question emailed to us and I thought it was interesting. So I'm going to bring it to you all and I'm not going to read you the entire email because I feel like that would be rude. The question, however, food bloggerish, it would be so food. I'm not a food <laughs> blogger. So as you guys can tell from this show, I also don't talk too much. Anyway, um, the question essentially was... How do you tell the difference between false teaching or unhelpful teaching? Like, is there unhelpful teaching that is not necessarily false teaching? Uh, If I feel like someone is engaging in a lot of unhelpful teaching, how do I know that it's not, they're not a false teacher? Um, And I just thought it was an interesting question. We haven't talked about Adiaphora in a while. Right. Um, which is fine. Some people but... might think we do. 
Yeah. But I think some people are misunderstanding. Like even our whole conversation about like dress and presentation. Yeah. In the wrong context that might seem like we're like quibbling over issues, but hopefully that's not how it came across because that's not how we meant it. Right. Um, but I just thought it was I thought it was an interesting question because I do think um Knowing the difference is really important. And I, I do think that because women like to talk a lot, I think as we just proved, um, it's very Sorry easy. Sorry for those of you that hate the chatter in front of the episode. <laughs> it's very easy for women who just talk, 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 talk to engage in a lot of unhelpful uh, teaching. Yeah. And... It is, if you have not been discipled well, it can be very difficult to separate that unhelpful teaching from false teaching. Um, and so I just have a couple uh, baselines. How do you know if some, how do you know if something's false teaching? Well, that's actually pretty simple if you know true teaching. Uh, super, super important. I remember my dad, we were, I'm, I'm sure I've told this story before, but we were leaving uh, uh, an evangelism encounter with a bunch of uh, Latter-day Saints. And I was just so like in awe of how, how well he knew their doctrine, like uh-huh. how well he could be like, well, in the Book of Mormon says this and the Doctrine and Covenant says this. And like he, he was able to have those conversations. And so... My question afterwards was like, what should I study so that I can do that? And he said, the thing that you should study to be the most effective in evangelism is the truth, is the Bible. Right. And so I do think there's a little bit of a an instinct to like jump and figure out everything that everyone else believes. Yes. But without a good foundation, right. you're kind of missing... Like, everything yeah <laughs> well how do they teach uh if you become a bank teller you don't they train they train you how to recognize counterfe- counterfeits they do that by making you study the real real thing. money yeah so that's how you recognize a counterfeit and so that's the principle my dad same principle my dad was giving me which was if you want to be effective in talking to mormons what you need to know front and back is the gospel mm-hmm. is the bible that's step number one don't go to step number two until you've done that. And so how do you recognize false teaching? Well, you know true teaching. You know the Bible. You mm-hmm. know the gospel. You you become familiar with that, like, front and back. Um, and that's why Bible reading is so important. That's why th- these dis- being a member of a church, sitting under the word, that's why these disciplines are so incredibly important. One of the reasons why is so that you can recognize false teaching sorry the studio well, ghost if, really if you have me. a great pastor you not to say that you need to every time you have a question that pops up you need to make an appointment with your pastor <laughs> but like if you're really hitting yeah. a wall like yeah being able to outsource your question yeah to your trusted elder yeah is, is great fantastic <laughs> um and that is also how you'll be able to discern what is like almost right and almost true from true. So I think one of the most dangerous kinds of teaching are the ones that contain plenty of truths. 
Yeah. Yes. But have so much untruth in it that those that are not discipled well can't see through it. Right. Well, and that's the, yeah, that's the difference between a counterfeit and a fake. Like Mm -hmm. there's, it's one thing to just blatantly not be the real thing. Right. And it's a totally other thing to be something trying to pass as something else. Right. Definitely more insidious. Way more dangerous. (laughs) I see Christians confused by false teaching most often when there's plenty of truth to it. I mean, that's, that's the devil. I mean, he comes as an angel of light, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have the gospel plus any little extra that isn't gospel or that is unbiblical, um, that's false teaching. So, you know, in Galatians, right? It's not that the people in that were, uh, bewitching the Galatians Mm -hmm. were necessarily wrong on the gospel, except that they were 100% wrong on the gospel because they said, you must do this. And they added to it. And it's an all or nothing type of thing. So until until that point, they probably could have given you the gospel straight up. Here's the gospel. Here's who Jesus was. And they blah, blah, blah. But the second they said, plus this. Yeah. It was all wrong. Right. And that's that's the danger of false teaching that looks really Christian um, and and false teachers that know the gospel know how to do that really well. But I would say, how do you what is unhelpful teaching? <laughs> um, unhelpful teaching is any teaching that really doesn't fit the occasion. Right. So we're told to speak words that are fitting to the occasion Um and edifying and what I'm seeing a lot of particularly on social media is just a lot of unhelpful teaching and what I mean by that is and this is a beautiful picture that I have totally co-opted that just wasn't mine originally so just so everybody knows (laughs) I don't remember where I first heard this from but um when, so let's say we live in a castle and there's a horde, you know, like a huge, massive army with um, trolls and dangerous elephants and fire and cannonballs. They're all at the north wall and they're going to attack the north wall. Mm-hmm. That's where the attack is. Okay. Now imagine that at the south wall, there's a bunch of 10 year old boys with apples and a bad attitude throwing apples at the south wall. Okay. The unhelpful teachers. Now there is an attack on the south wall. Right. That's an attack on the south right. wall. Um, the unhelpful teachers tend to be discussing the south wall. Right. So what I mean by that is we live in a time where at our north wall, the hordes with the cannonballs, they're the uh, people teaching that... Um, you should have pronouns in your bio. They're teaching that we can't actually say what a woman is. They're teaching that they're teaching gay Christianity. Mm-hmm. Just all the cultural confusion around sex and gender and um, even just like abortion. <laughs> That's all trying to tear the North Wall down. And the little boys on the South Wall throwing apples are like the old deconstructed purity teachers from the 90s. 
that are just not a danger. They are not the danger that we're facing. Now, were, are they obnoxious and have they thrown apples at the wall? Yes. And yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they have. Um, but if you're so busy on that south wall where the 10-year-old boys with apples are and to the neglect of the north wall that is going to be taken down by the cannons and the trolls and the horde, um, you could not be less useful. I'm, I'm just, I, you just couldn't be less useful. I mean, it's pretty much the definition of unhelpful. It is the definition <laughs> of unhelpful teaching. Like if, if the goal is to protect the city, yeah. if the goal is to just hear our tell ourselves talk, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah. But in your, in your scenario, you just played out. The goal is to protect the city yeah. and keep. Yeah keep the bad people out yeah i just can't <laughs> listen the the purity culture movement is so long dead you will not convince me that the worst thing that ever i'm not saying nothing came from that but it is very popular to oh. be convinced that the very worst thing that happened in the 90s was that a bunch of people were convinced to be pure <laughs> A bunch of people wore some questionable jean skirts and didn't have sex with their boyfriends before marriage. And that, <laughs> that is what you're upset about? Now listen, I'm not going to grant you any ground. I, I'm not going to. The purity We're culture movement. We're not pro-purity culture. It's so, but here's the thing. It's <laughs> so long dead. Right. We don't live in anything even remotely close to a purity culture. Not even close. And I do think there's this whole business of trying to say that the shame that women feel is from this long dead movement from the 90s and early 2000s. Whereas that is just not true at all. And that is as, as an evangelical cu culture, our knees were not chopped off by purity culture. Okay, it was chopped off by adultery culture. It was chopped off by abortion culture. It was chopped off by public school culture. It was chopped off by so many things that are still currently attacking the North Wall in a very yeah. serious attack. And I, I just can't believe it's such a diversion from the real issues that are going on in the pews. The real issues going on in the pews is not that too many women are covered up and saving themselves for marriage. That is not the problem in the American church. And I cannot believe how many people have platforms built on the idea that the evangelical church is full of women who were scarred because they were saving themselves for marriage. Um, the numbers are in and, and they didn't. They weren't doing that. And the numbers are in and that didn't happen the way that you're saying that it happened. Um, so yes, very unhelpful teaching. Another litmus test for unhelpful teaching is, does it, is the teaching that you're hearing from the pulpit, does it sound anything like what a public school teacher would say? And if it does, get out. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, has your gospel essentially been neutered to the point that it's just the gospel of being nice? Right. It's just the gospel of making your neighbor feel loved because I used to be in a church where someone 
told me that there were people in the church who actually didn't believe abortion was wrong and the pastors knew and didn't do anything about it. And that is not a gospel preaching church. Right. The what's helpful from the pulpit, the actual purpose of the pulpit is very helpful. Yes. <laughs> to the congregants and mm-hmm. those listening. Yeah. And there is a very specific yeah. purpose. The very purpose of it is to be helpful. Yeah. And train and equip believers that are listening. Yeah. So that would that yeah, that not yeah. helpful. If you are if you or if you are just getting a if the reason that your church solely exists is to do a gospel presentation every week and it's just a like um if that if the church service is evangelism mm-hmm. and there's no teaching that goes any deeper mm-hmm. um then that's also that's not helpful mm-hmm. though they may not be saying anything that's outwardly heretical mm-hmm. <laughs> um they may not be saying anything wrong at all yeah um but if it's a if if the purpose of getting people to sit in the seat on mm. Sunday is to try to convert as many people, but not actually disciple yeah. the congregants, then that's not right. Helpful. Well, so much of the evangelical church believes that church is evangelism, right? Church isn't for Christ's bride. Right. It's to get people saved and just move people through. Right. Um, instead of thinking of church as a place that the sheep come to feed, right. a very specific place where the sheep come to feed. It's a place where, you try to turn the goats into the sheep. Right. And I did have somebody kind of come after me the other day, basically saying like, oh, the biggest need for evangelism is in the pews. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but it also sounds like that's a problem we've created. If you've right. built a church where the goats feel comfortable in the pews, right. that's actually a problem from the leadership. That's a leadership problem. Yeah. Um that's a pastor problem yeah. that needs to change starting from the top down. Um, we need to have churches where goats can't stay for a long, long time and right. pass right. as sheep. Right. And if, if your mentality is that your witness as a Christian, meaning you, so your life needs to look different mm-hmm. than everybody else's mm-hmm. um, you, you're it's not going to be helpful for you um, to hear a gospel message preached to an unbeliever every Sunday. Right. What is going to be helpful in making your life look drastically different Mm -hmm. is being discipled Mm -hmm. and equipped Mm -hmm. by your pastor. Yeah. I would say you're not in a church if you're somewhere where it's the goats that are being fed. Right. If if your if your elders it's problem, just not the per- that's not the purpose of that's not, that's a, not what that's it not ever was. Yeah. That's not what a, a church is now. The pulpit you're that th- is to proclaim the word, and that is food for the sheep. Right. And goats don't want that, and I think a lot of people because they want to see. I think there's this this like evangelism idea that's been applied to mm-hmm. the church, whereas the church is to send evangelists out right that's the that's the church is to send that's what the church and you can all and send sheep um you don't send out goats to evangelize to goats you send the sheep out um and so i just think 
one way to evaluate like the teaching that you're hearing and whether you should listen to this person or read this person's book um, is essentially, is this aimed at sheep or goats? That's a question I ask all the time. Now that evangelism is good, we should be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely (laughs) doing that. Yes. But you should be doing that under the authority of your church and your elders very specifically. And it's going to require that you be trained yeah in what the bible says yeah absolutely <laughs> going back to what my dad said but like, we don't we don't want to do that so mm-hmm. we've created a system where all you have to do is invite your f- goat friend to church yeah and then church will do that job for you but you're also doing an incredible disservice to your friend who you've invited maybe they pot- potentially maybe they are like maybe there is a real transformation in them v- if it's void of any teaching and training, right? There's a there. Right. I mean, a lot of what we see today is is this huge um, stunt in yeah. growth, mm-hmm. like this just stunted. Yep. This stunted Christianity that's not uh, mm-hmm. grown. Yeah, it doesn't grow any up bigger. In anything that has any impact in right. the area around it. Um, I think um, unhelpful teaching does that too. False right. teaching does that for sure. Right. Oh yes, definitely. Um, but unhelpful teaching is a huge growth stunter for the Christian. And I think um, having a, a fully orbed Christian worldview is hugely important in being able to weed out false teaching, unhelpful teaching, um, and things like that. Because it, it's just true that we are humans. You cannot know human that you listen to is infallible. Um, it's the word that is infallible and inerrant and true no matter what. And so you have to be able to measure teaching up against that standard. But also just like one question I ask myself is what is this teaching accomplishing in the world? Yeah. Because the gospel actually accomplishes things. Like it started as 12 men on the other side of the world. And, and that doesn't mean just that doesn't mean that if you don't like what someone's saying that you just say, well, what is this teaching? Cause I don't like it. <laughs> right. Cause that's a, I don't want you to hear what some are saying and be like, Oh, well, but can't you just, I don't know. I don't want there to be a misunderstanding. There is an actual st- standard by which you have oh, yeah. to yeah for sure you have to say like what yeah. is this teaching someone well, what is the because we've gotten we've gotten we have had responses like that like what is the purpose of this episode mm, sure what is the purpose of you sharing that on social media sure so it's not just like that's not a trump card it's not like a, no. well, what's the purpose of this it's like yeah. well if i can explain to you what the purpose right. is well the purpose is to defend the north wall Right. Uh, once We're the li- north wall is shored up, we can deal with the pests throwing the right. apples on the south wall. The thing I do, I do kind of wonder sometimes if we like, <laughs> like we've kind of even changed, like our purpose has been so changed in our culture that mm. Christians are like, what do you mean defend what? Yeah. Like, what do you mean the wall? For sure. No, that's a great, that's a great point. Defend what? <laughs> Yeah, because there are a lot of Christians that don't even believe there should be a, like, Christians. I've recently come into contact with Christians who don't believe 
that Christians should care about culture or the art. Or that it's any reflection right. of... Right, but our deeply held belief is that culture is a reflection of the religion of the people. Right. So because our the context we live in, our religion here is secularism, that is seen in the culture, it's seen in politics, and why does that matter? Well, secularism kills people. Secularism means... Uh, a lack of freedom it means a lack of free speech secularism means it's false and unhelpful yeah it actually means that your neighbor i mean think about china is a thoroughly godless nation one of the results of that was that they didn't let you have more than one child which means that if you got pregnant they would they would force you to kill your child it matters a nation's religion matters as a principle of loving your neighbor and so it firmly matters our culture matters because what is said from the pulpits matter we believe that culture is downstream of the pulpits now our current pulpit is the public school that is where we are discipled and trained and that's why we see our culture going the way that it is and it's not on accident it's not on accident. And the thing this is, didn't just like this wasn't just like, oh, and then, you know, we made like a few wrong turns and this just happened. Right. Public school is the arm of right. liberalism and secularism. Well, and unbelievers understand this better than many Christians, that if you whoever trains the next generation owns the world. Right. Um, and so it actually quite matters it's a matter of loving your neighbor to speak truth in the public square. Jesus did that. The apostles did that. Um, It really, really matters. And so what I'm trying to get at is that what we're, what you should be defending um, and it depends on where you're at in your life, I suppose, but wherever you are at in your life, whether you are a teacher or you are a stay-at-home mom or whatever your job is, there's a way to do it in such a way that you are being a Christian and that your life isn't segmented in such a way that it's like, I don't have anything to defend. I don't have anything that's worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And the unhelpful teachers that I see in the church are the ones who don't believe we should be defending anything who, or or the things that we should be defending aren't even really under attack. Right. They're not the they're not fitting for the occasion. This is not the occasion. Um, it's I'm I'm sorry, but purity culture is dead. <laughs> that whole movement is dead. And looking around, it's not the purity culture wake that destroyed our society like that is just simply an untrue it's an untrue statement it's an untrue thing to fight for so what are you fighting for um i think unhelpful teaching encourages you to fight for all the wrong things um helpful teaching is going to put you firmly uh in a place where what you are doing is advancing the kingdom very intentionally The end. That's great. (laughs) I feel like after that, I don't need to say anything else. Great.
I have nothing else. Um, I hope that answered the, your well, question. The only other thing I had was just the whole like mind your own business in terms of what's helpful. Um, I think that it's okay to, I, I was just going to try to encourage anyone away from a uh, sort of like morbid curiosity when it comes to teaching. Um, like if you enjoy, if you enjoy listening to teaching just to point out everything that's wrong with it, oh, if yeah. you like, if you liked looking at someone's tweets um, because you like to look at the argument underneath, oh, yeah. um, a lot of those things can be, Mm-hmm. really unhelpful mm-hmm. and being a busybody mm-hmm. is a uh, sin so <laughs> i was just gonna say that was really the only thing i came up with this for this episode even um is just like well, that's a great point is just um it's if it's not your business and if it's not helping you attend to your work um it could potentially be unhelpful if you just don't have time. If you don't have time or you're wasting time by doing it, um, it's not helpful. And that, I guess I'm not trying to like let anyone off the hook, but I'm just saying like, not everything needs all of your attention. Mm. Um, God has equipped many people with many different strengths and many different, Mm -hmm. uh, burdens for many different types of people. Um, and uh so it's important to know in terms of what's helpful and unhelpful it's important to know what your work is yeah and if something's unhelpful to your work but it's consuming your life then well foolish controversies are something we're forbidden from partaking in and so (laughs) you are going to have to make some decisions as to what makes something a foolish controversy Right. Um, as opposed to something that's worth participating in. Um, you guys might not believe it, but I see arguments all the time that I'm just not willing to study further. Like, I'm just not willing to become involved in that. Right. Um, I frequently make that decision on my own page under my own threads. Right. Like, I'm just like, you know, this is none of my business. Right. Um, this is not something I'm going to spend my time on um, because it will be unhelpful uh, in the long run. There are foolish controversies to become engaged in. Um, And like you said, sometimes deciding whether or not it's a foolish controversy for you to be engaged in uh, has a lot to do with your priority and what God has set before you that day. Yeah. It's not that there are foolish controversies that are always going to be foolish. There are some that just you're not called to. Right. Someone else can have that conversation. The soldiers are the ones that defend the wall. Right. If you're not a soldier, your role is going to look different than a soldier. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, So my advice is if you're called to the North Wall, defend the North Wall. Uh, I don't think most people are called to the South Wall. And that right. is a baseline. And don't go to the south the south wall because you're bored. Do <laughs> not because you're bored. Do not do it. <laughs> oh, boredom! So many sins <laughs> happening at the of south boredom. wall. <laughs> at the south wall, the bored people at the south wall, or just like I think a lot of it. To be perfectly honest with you, and I won't keep talking after this, is just that uh, sometimes people are at the south wall 
because they know one of the little boys throwing the apples and they really don't like that little boy. And that little boy got into their garden or whatever. And that little boy needs to be dealt with. And so they're going to recruit people to the south wall because that little boy. And it's just like, man, you have got to move on. You have got to move on. (laughs) There is real danger elsewhere. Go to it. If uh, what's his face... If you go to sleep to dreams every night of um oh my gosh what's his name um I kiss Josh dating Harris. goodbye Josh Harris <laughs> if Josh Harris haunts your dreams if every day you wake up <laughs> and you're like the nerve it's time to move on of Josh if Joshua Harris. Harris haunts your dreams it's time to move on <laughs> it's been time all right you can leave us a voicemail. At 470-465-0475 and we will see you all next week. Yeah. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me. The quiet walk. Does restore again and me to walk does make within the paths of righteousness in for his own name.